Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Michelle V, Mark Z, Leonard L, Dave O, Carolyn C, Darren J, Angela E, Karen C, Daniel B, Jolie R, and Kristen S for your donations to the channel this month. And if you're interested in helping this channel, you can do so by clicking the donation link found on my website at annapurdue.com. And another way to support this channel is by checking out this offer from my latest sponsor. Now, have you heard of shrinkflation? Yep, shrinkflation. This is where your candy bar or your burger gets smaller, but the price stays the same right? Have you noticed this? It's happening all the time, everywhere now. But the government keeps telling us inflation is under control, or that it's just temporary. But what do you think? Exactly. This is just inflation by the back door. Noble Gold is ahead of the game here. They know that with a precious metal IRA under your belt, you'll hedge these rising prices so you can retire without worrying about it. You'll keep up with the inflation the folks in Washington are trying to hide. And this month, as a thank you, and to kickstart this precious metal project, Noble Gold is giving away a free 5-ounce solid silver America the Beautiful Bullion Cube with every qualifying IRA or 401k rollover. Take advantage of this amazing investment opportunity by visiting Noble Gold Investment or you can call us at 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. In 1995, Dr. Pierre Gilbert warned, they will pollute the blood supply to create a race of zombies. He said in the biological destruction, there are the organized tempest on the magnetic fields. What will follow is a contamination of the bloodstreams of mankind, creating intentional infections. This will be enforced via laws that will make certain unspeakable actions mandatory, and the concoctions from those actions will make it possible to control people. These concoctions will have liquid crystals that will become hosted in the brain cells, which will become micro-receivers of electromagnetic fields where waves of very low frequencies will be sent. And through these low-frequency waves, people will be unable to think. You'll be turned into a zombie. Don't think of this as a hypothesis. This has been done. Think of Rwanda. Do you remember President Obama's Brain Initiative Program in the Brain Research through Advancing Initiative Neurotechnologies in 2014? Well, it seems we're all living it now. There is an ongoing sinister program to use mind control against humanity. The sinister people in power have found a way to start riots, wars, and hate between us, even if we don't want it. This is the horrific result of years of development of these silent weapons against humans. During the late afternoon of April 6, 1994, a hail of cannon shells tore through the fuselage of a commercial airliner flying overhead central Rwanda. Several seconds later, the blazing plane exploded on impact with the, on, on the ground, killing President Habayarimana of Rwanda, 
and President Intaria Myra of Burundi and most of their senior government officials. In that fatal millisecond of time, the entire political command structure of Central Africa was decapitated, leaving the way open for Operation Crimson Mist. The obstinate terminal mind control experiment ever mounted by the United States of America against a sovereign nation, that crimson mist was used again on a smaller scale in Iraq. As Habarimana and his colleagues made their death dive, a small group of American men and women lounged around in a large hut at the edge of a discreet gravel airstrip a few miles from the Rwandan capital, Kigali, temporary home for their three unmarked C-130 Hercules transport planes. All crew members carried forged credentials showing them as atmospheric researchers employed by an authentic civilian American agency, but these were only for emergency identification if one of the aircraft was forced to make an unscheduled landing on unfriendly territory. For all practical security purposes, neither they nor their three large aircraft were even in Africa. When news of the presidential crash came in over the VHF radio, one of the Hercules planes was swiftly prepared for takeoff. The flight engineer checked the attendant of the rocket-assisted takeoff packs while the scientist made final adjustments to a large microwave dish that was mounted on the rear loading ramp of the aircraft. It was this strange and esoteric piece of equipment alone that would directly contribute to the deaths of more than one million African civilians during the hundred days that followed. Though completely silent in operation, the single microwave dish had more killing potential than a whole squadron of AC-130 Spectre gunships armed with 50 Gatling cannons. Though officially tagged an experiment, None of those present had any doubt that this was merely a cosmetic cover for the gruesome operational work ahead. Each member had been carefully vetted and then vetted again by U.S. intelligence to ensure they had the right stuff and were philosophically committed to two objectives. First was the evolving need to control or eliminate political dissent by remote means in the run of the 21st century, and second was the need to stem or reverse massive population increases across the world, which threatened to overwhelm existing natural resources, especially water and food. So they were brainwashed to believe. Um, intrinsically, this required a willingness to commit mass murder, and everyone present had passed this critical test with flying colors. As the Hercules engines started with a roar, American agents in Kigali were working alongside local civil servants and members of the Rwandan Security Service, ramping up public suspicion about foul play in the presidential air crash. Urged on by corrupt official idiom, Hutu tribesmen started marching on Tutsi tribesmen and threw a few rocks at them. Innocent enough at the outset, although with a few nasty machete cuts here and there. But then, 
the C-130 Hercules made a carefully calculated pass directly over the advancing Hutu and then suddenly went berserk. Eyes glazed, the mood of the Hutu crowd went from simple anger to uncontrollable rage within minutes. Hundreds of assorted Tutsi body parts were flying through the air. What the Hercules crew had just achieved has been an open secret since the late 50s when researchers accidentally discovered that there is a precise control brainwave for literally everything we do and everything we feel. The problem back then was that each of these controlled brainwaves, rage, fear, panic, lethargy, vomiting, and so on, had to be transmitted with an accuracy taken out to three decimal places, or they simply wouldn't work at all. But as the years rolled by, and with the advent of transistors and microprocessors, the operational application of precise controlled brainwaves became practical reality. It is important to note here that the lethal trick repeated hundreds of times by the C-130 Hercules in Rwanda during April to July of 1994 was not classic mind control in the ultimate conspiratorial meaning of the term, for example, where people claim to hear complicated messages inside their heads, or where it is feared that the NSA or similar intend to turn everyone into helpless zombies by implanting electronics chips in their arms or necks. No, what the C-130 crew were actually engaged in was electromagnetically augmenting a pre-existing state. Remember that the agents and security service personnel first had to point the Hutu tribesmen in the direction of the Tutsi, induce reasonable anger, and make sure they were appropriately armed. Only then could the C-130 go to work with the precise control brainwave of rage, augmenting and then upgrading crowd behavior from that of angry demonstrators to uncontrollable genocidal maniacs. Although not classic, this was and is unquestionably mind control for the simple reason that external means were being used to force an irresistible change in behavior. For those who really want to know how governments or agencies change public behavior on a whim, the explanation is not too complicated, though obtaining details of the classified control brain frequencies is all but impossible. Various academics have actually demonstrated some of these effects quasi-publicly over the years, which provides hard reality for skeptics. One of the light, leading lights in this field is Dr. Elizabeth rauscher Bies, who was a nuclear scientist and researcher at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and at Stanford Research Institute, professor of physics at John F. Kennedy University of California, research consultant to NASA and the U.S. Navy, and a member of a litany of agencies. Elizabeth rauscher Bies identified specific frequency effects to induce nausea, happiness, and many other behavioral states decades ago. Clearly, Dr. Rosher Bice is an enthusiast. Give me the money in three months, she boasts, and I'll be able to affect the behavior of 80% of the people in this town without their even knowing it. Make them happy, or at least they'll think they're happy, or aggressive. 
Unlike many researchers in this field, Elizabeth Rosher Bies tends to be open about her work, has demonstrated the effects many times in quasi-public forums, and claims to experiment only on fully informed people. Many years ago, during one memorable demonstration in California, she turned a specific brainwave on all students on the left side of her auditorium, whereupon their teeth started chattering collectively and uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. I'm getting tongue twisted. When the unaffected students on the right side of the auditorium suggested this might be some sort of trick, Elizabeth Rosher Bice calmly turned the specific brainwave on them instead. The right side now suffered exactly the same fate, watched by the stunned but no longer affected students on the left side. The main problem lies in the delivery of these brain waves to the target because they all lie in extremely low spectrum between 0.1 and 25 hertz or cycles, with all controlled brain waves and an even narrower central band between 0.6 and 10.2 hertz. These are effectively the same as Earth frequencies, meaning that they're very hard to direct via conventional radio transmission. Remember that in order to be effective in selective crowd behavior augmentation, you must be able to restrict delivery to clearly defined crowds in clearly defined areas. This is achieved by using an extremely high frequency microwave beam, which is then amplitude modulated at exactly the same rate as the desired control brainwave. Where the American mind controllers score with their airborne and truck-mounted equipment is by using microwave aerials that can be adjusted in exactly the same way as you would adjust the focus on a variable beam flashlight. In the Rwandan Hutu tribesmen, the crew of the C-130 Hercules only needed to know the width of the target crowd on the ground and the width of their own microwave beam at any given true altitude in feet, as read directly from the radar altimeter. With these two values available, it is then a simple matter to adjust beam width to accurately bracket the target crowd from any altitude chosen. But this equipment is not just deployed in large lumbering Hercules transport planes. While in Iraq, European security experts concluded that smaller versions of Crimson Mist were deployed on the street of Baghdad, designed in part to augment the media propaganda narrative that those Iraqi citizens are dangerous savages, all badly in need of direct supervision by democratic American authorities. One classic example of this was the looting of the Baghdad Museum, apparently by a crowd of undisciplined rabble, but video footage tells us a different story. To pull off this stunt, the American authorities needed to assemble a crowd, managed quite e- easily. They did this with free food. Then they needed a place to put the crowd so that they were just outside the museum, which again was easy because they located the free food just outside the museum. Next, the attention of the crowd had to be drawn to the museum itself, which was achieved in spectacular fashion by firing two 120-millimeter shells 
from an Abrams tank gun straight through the main doors. Fine, so far, but how are you going to get them inside? Well, the video shows two soldiers gesticulating to the crowd, urging them to go in and help themselves, thereby clearly identifying the target, Rwanda-style. Then it starts to get really interesting. The two soldiers rapidly withdrew, leaving the Iraqis standing leaderless outside the open doors, and then click, just like a flickering light switch, the entire crowd goes nuts absolutely simultaneously, which never happens in real life. In the real world, there's always a leader visibly stirring up the crowd and preparing them for action. But not outside the Baghdad Museum. One second, these folks are just dull, hungry Iraqis, and the next second, they are an instant, uncontrollable maniac streaming in through the museum doors. Hmm. This sounds familiar, sort of like the January 6th event here in America. It is also suspected that the same equipment was used to augment the looting attacks on various hospitals around central Baghdad, though this claim seems to be based as much on logic as it is on video footage. These so-called looters are Iraqi citizens who received essentially free health care in the hospitals under Saddam Hussein. Not only that, but their wives and children, they're being bombed and shot by Americans, meaning that their free hospitals were absolutely essential to them. And these would be the very places they would normally defend in the first place. Bearing this logic in mind, it seems likely that the European security experts are also correct with this claim. While there is unlikely to be very much concern in America, Britain, and Australia for the plight of Iraqis on the streets of Baghdad, it might be time to examine what is likely to happen in our own democratic countries if things get more out of control than they are at present, kind of like January the 6th. Remember that the 2.2 million strong demonstration in London just before the illegal invasion of Iraq had little, if anything, to do with English folk liking Saddam Hussein. Iraq was merely an excuse for this unprecedented mass of human beings to migrate to London, waving banners that mostly read, not in our name, at corrupt politicians. The bottom line is that the next time 2.2 million British citizens descend on the capital to have a go at the politicians, their real targets, they might be carrying something far more dangerous than banners. Every policeman and military personnel know very well that a 2.2 million strong mass with hostile intent simply cannot be stopped by standard riot control techniques, and they cannot be stopped by bullets fired by soldiers on the streets. Even if British soldiers could be persuaded to open fire on their own neighbors, most unlikely, the entire army would be powerless to act. So what then? Across the Atlantic in America, here where I live, and in Australia, things are really no better. The American dollar is heading straight for basement levels, which in turn is throwing us into a depression and increased anger on all part, part of all of the Americans. And this is aimed largely at, because of the corrupt politicians on Capitol Hill. 
Naturally, the politicians will try to put the people down as usual, but what if this time it is a step too far? What if a few hundred or a few thousand of the 260 million private weapons in American hands are brought into play? What then? The chances are that in all affected Western countries, politicians and their real masters will try to invoke the use of highly unconventional weapons in order to try and save their unworthless hides. How successful they might be when that day comes, as it surely will. Spanish researchers believe that the secret nanoparticles found in the current unmentionables are nanotubes of a magnetic poison. So, this looks like this is the next step toward these worthless politicians and their handlers to manage the entire masses of the world. The Andalusian biostatician Ricardo Delgado, who hosts an online program called La Quinta Column, and his partner, Dr. Jose Luis Sevillano, and he's a family doctor. They analyze the undeniable magnetic phenomenon present in most currently unmentionable compromised people. They found that certain nanoparticles are actually compatible with neurons and other brain cells. Nanotubes of this stuff search for the brain synapses and attach to them. These nanoparticles were excitable through frequencies generating behavioral changes in the subjects. To be more exact, these nanoparticles find resonance in the frequency of the 41.6 gigahertz microwaves of the dangerous frequency technology. Subjects filled with these nanoparticles can be manipulated mentally by turning into different frequencies inside the dangerous frequency ranges. They can feel, think, and see feelings, thoughts, or things that don't actually exist. They could develop fake memories or delete real existing memories. Even without a fully enabled enhanced frequency net, people have reported they feel strange after taking this forced requirement. Other studies say these nanoparticles are also responsible for adverse symptoms, including blood clots. The scientists maintain that the global program is an excuse to cage mankind in a dangerous covert global transhumanism program that will end in a catastrophe for the human race. We have been informed that dangerous radio frequencies should be fully enabled since August of this year. Many are suffering from this magnetic disorder. The purpose of changing your metal ionic balance, hence magnetism, is to alter the body's electrochemical makeup. Our bodies are transmitters and receivers of electromagnetic radiation. To alter the balance is to make us more or less susceptible to external energy inputs. This high-speed technology is not about the Internet of Things. It is a military-grade weapons system. They're building a kill grid 
when energy inputs have been targeted very specifically to a larger area such as a town or city than to a smaller area of a district, even smaller area to specific streets or buildings, and with pinpoint accuracy to a building, exact locations of buildings, and even a targeted individual inside the building. The symptoms of radiation sickness from these frequencies are respiratory difficulty, flu symptoms, and altitude sickness, which fits current symptoms complaints. When a group of people have been medically mass-compromised by social pressure or threat of job loss, the increased radio wave frequency can be altered to a kill frequency to cause mass deaths. The compromised people are walking targets for a mass culling with these high-speed weapon systems. The area falsely claimed to be the area of origination of the sickness had its citizens receiving the same immune suppression in mass. Then, once the grid was activated, the world witnessed rapid deaths. In this information turmoil, disinformation has been spread to send you off scent or not to make the connection. A reliable estimate in this city claimed to be the area of the origina- origination of it all. Some 20 million mobile phone numbers ceased to exist. Unpaid bills or does it mean that the owners are no longer alive? It doesn't make sense that 20 million phone numbers just stop. It seems the weapon delivery system is the thing I can't say. And it's going to create many collateral deaths, but too slow for 90% depopulation by 2030. The mass gas chambers and incinerators are populations being purged by using the high-speed radiation attacks like a microwave gun, killing people silently in the street or in their homes while they sleep. These Luciferian lowlifes are in a race to deceive and enslave humanity, building the death grid to murder millions, including their disposable foot soldiers working in the police, military, and health mafia. In theory, they have created a kill grid that in a single day could genocide 100 million in the world by a flick of the switch. Here is a partial text of Colonel Paul E. Vallely, Commander, and Michael Aquino, a U.S. Satanist, writing, and this is titled, From Psyop to Mind War, The Psychology of Victory. Mind war must be strategic in emphasis, with tactical applications playing a reinforcing supplementary role. In its strategic context, Mind war must reach out to friends, enemies, and neutrals alike across the globe, neither through primitive battlefield, leaflets, and loudspeakers of PSYOP, nor through the weak, imprecise, and narrow effort of psychotronics, but through the media possessed by the United States, which have the capabilities to reach virtually all the people on the face of the earth. These media are, of course, the electronic media, television, and radio, 
state-of-the-art developments in satellite communication, video recording techniques, and laser and optical transmission of broadcasts makes possible a penetration of the minds of the world such as would have been inconceivable just a few years ago. Friends, for those of you who are still watching cable TV, I suggest you cancel your subscription as soon as possible. Save yourself your sanity and some money in the meantime. There is a war for our minds, and they will utilize any means necessary to take it. It seems the Crimson Mist has us facing the Revelation 6-8 Pale Horse. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. <laughs>